0: Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just the surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney Kevin Tharp and Financial Advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning.
1: Tax deferral a contrary view. I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors.
2: And I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney.
1: Kevin, in the financial world, tax deferral is a very important element. It's, a, it's an important element because so many of us have tax-deferred vehicles that we invest in during our working years. And tax, a tax-deferred vehicle, an example of that, naturally, is the 401k. Well, why is it, why is it tax-deferred? And this is some. Sometimes this is a little confusing to people. The reason it's tax deferred is because you're not paying taxes on it now. Let's say you're 35, 40 years old out there right now, and you're working, and you're contributing to your 401k, and you're doing very well with that. I talk to to a lot of people in the working world now, especially the in the younger uh, market that are doing very well contributing to their 401ks, 15, 20% of their um, uh, income is going to their 401ks. I applaud that and I commend it because you will see reap the dividends from that somewhere down the line. So keep up the good work. But what you're doing typically, typically now, sometimes there are variations, but you're putting money into something that you're getting a little bit of a tax savings for now because it's tax deferred as a tax is tax deductible for you so you've got this tax deferred vehicle here and it grows through the years tax deferred in other words if i have a stock let's say i have a stock in my 401k and let's say just for practical purposes it's home depot stock since we tend to use that a lot around here Home Depot stock is in my 401k most of the time what you see in 401ks is mutual funds but just for simplicity's sake I'll use one particular stock. So you have Home Depot stock in your 401k you continue to buy more stock as the years have gone on. The more money you put into your 401k, the more stock you buy, the more it grows. Hopefully, the stock itself grows in value over the years. We know it has its ups and downs, but you have time on your side when you start working and you start this 401k because you're not going to use this money for a long time. So, one of the benefits. Of this 401k contributing to a traditional 401k is tax savings for you now well that does come in handy for people because let's say in your younger years there's a very very good likelihood that you have a house and that you have a house with a mortgage that's pretty typical of people in their younger working years maybe you have children who you're, you're getting a deduction for. So that adds up. You're getting a deduction for these contributions to your 401k. Every little bit helps tax-wise now. So you're growing this tax-deferred. And by tax-deferred, I also mean tax-delayed. And tax delay means at some point in time, you're going to be paying taxes on this traditional 401k that you have. You will pay taxes on that. When you start taking the money out. So we know that the rule right now for 401ks, for tax deferred retirement accounts, is that you don't really, you can't really touch it until you're over 59 and a half years old. That's by design because it would be too easy for most of us to have a nest egg sitting there that's growing to take advantage of that and wanna pull money out of it to buy a car or put a roof on a house or down payment for a house things like that but that's really not what that money's for so when you can contribute that 15 16 17 18 percent whatever you're putting in there when you're contributing that money over time then you know that's money you're not going to be able just to reach back in and get money out of you're just not going to be able to do that Um, because it's going to cost you too much in taxes to do it you'll have penalties to pay If you take money out of your 401k before you're 59 and a half. Now, there's hardship exceptions and things like that. But in general, 99% of the people out there fall into a category where it will cost them a lot of money to ever get money out of the 401k, even if they can. Some 401k plans don't allow you to do it no matter what. Well, what if I change jobs? Am I going to leave that 401k where I had it before? I would suggest not. Sometimes it may be so good that you can't let go of it, and you'll leave it there when you move to your next job. But really, what you would rather do is to have a little more control. The 401k that you have now with your current employer, you can typically move that over to your new employer. So you're starting out. I had somebody do this last week. You know, they came in with a distribution from a 401k from a job that they had left last year. And they said, well, what do I do with this? And I said, well, you have a 401k now, right? Yes, I do. Okay, can you put this money in there? Well, let me find out. Well, they found out they could. So now they started out this new job already with a 401k that's pretty significant. So you still have the choices that you had before, but now you may even have more choices because the new 401k with the new employer might be a little bit better. It might offer you more options as far as your investments go. So this is something that we all have to be aware of. And we we also, again, have to be aware of the fact that at some point in time, we're going to have to pay the taxes on that.
2: We're talking today with Gary Anderson of Anderson Advisors today on Truth and Planning. And he's talking about tax deferral or tax delay. And, Gary, back in the day when I worked for the IRS, we kind of had a running joke. We'd always kind of throw out every once in a while at lunch or at breaks. Uh, You know what the difference between tax delay and tax evasion is? About 30 years in federal (laughs) prison. Uh, So we're not talking about evading taxes. we're not talking about that. Uh, You can even avoid them. It might be temporary avoidance. But... Uh, or through delay and there is a huge benefit in deferring or delaying those taxes some of which you've already talked about but we want to be real clear to our listeners you're not advocating that people not pay taxes right at some point in time because like you said you've always heard me say this a lot and i've said it on the radio before iras at some point are going to equal irs
1: well that's right kevin and the rules that the irs work with here are rules that have been handed down to them by our politicians by our representatives in washington so Sometimes I think the IRS gets a bad rap for having all these things that you have to deal with tax wise, but they're really just working with what they've been given and trying to make sense of it sometimes because a lot of times what they're given is something that doesn't really work that well and they have to make it work for all of us. So that's the the tax deferral is it really is a big issue. The IRS, they're very patient. They can wait years down the line for you to start paying taxes on that money because they know one thing, it's probably going to be more taxes to be paid later than there is now. Well, Gary, wait a minute. Oh, won't my taxes go down when I'm retired? Well, not necessarily so. What I'm seeing these days is very, very few people, and it's a good thing. very few few people, retire and really don't have much less income, if any, sometimes even more income than they were making before they stopped working. So don't believe for a minute that you're going to be paying less in taxes, so you're going to push this tax burden down the line somewhere. Sometimes there are advantages to, after 59 and a half, to start taking money from This traditional 401k that you have, which could potentially become an IRA, which is the same thing. It's just an individual retirement account. There are advantages to that. There can be advantages to it. But what I want to talk about in my next segment will be something that maybe people don't quite understand. It's a different view of taking money from your IRA.
2: Gary, how can our listeners reach out to you and talk about tax deferral? Kevin, they can reach us at
1: Anderson Advisors, 888 371 2847. Coming
2: up, we're going to talk about Not My Type. You're listening to Truth and Planning. not my type i'm kevin tharp elder law and estate planning attorney and i'm gary anderson financial advisor anderson advisors gary you've heard over the years and i I know one time missy and i were having a discussion recently and we talked about you know had we known each other back in the day back in high school or even early in college she said we probably wouldn't have gotten together because at that time you were just not my type. You were just not my type. <laughs> Bessie says the same thing. It's true. <laughs> so, and it's just not a negative way. It's just you just weren't my type. But over time, you know, certainly things change. Uh but I'm going to talk about particularly when I'm talking about not choosing a spouse. I'm not talking about not my type or choosing a boy having a boyfriend or girlfriend. What I'm talking about is trust and what type of trust you choose because there's a lot of information there's a lot of chatter discuss discussions and talk out there on social media uh, in in coffee shops in church parking lots at lunch and learns and free seminars that people offer and i'm getting a lot of those invitations now because of my age uh, and I think that's going to be my meal plan going forward. At least well, they started it.
1: earlier with these things. Now, obviously, if it's, if you're well, getting I mean, something because of your
2: age, yeah, I mean, Missy's getting them, and she's only 26 years old. It's really shocking. And right? I'm
1: sticking to it. I'm, I'm sticking, sticking to with that. that story. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. You even hear talk on uh, there's radio commercials on this very radio station, where people are talking about the type of trust you choose for various purposes. So let's talk about types of trust. And then I'm going to tell you my opinion and give you reasons why our irrevocable trust is not my type of trust. And it really, quite honestly, shouldn't be the type of trust that you choose. If you're trying to accomplish these following purposes, it's not the best trust to choose. So let's talk about irrevocable trust as the type of trust for Medicaid eligibility. We're hearing a lot of talk about that now because so many people out there, I would imagine that if we have five listeners out there, and I think that's probably being generous that we have five listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could maybe four and a half or somewhere in there, but yeah. 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 Somewhere in the discussion, there's a, there's a child in an infant crib that's listening because they have no choice (laughs) or a child in a car seat like Callie, they're having to listen because they have no choice. So that's where that half comes from. Um, But let's say you have five listeners. I would think that four out of those five listeners at some point are dealing with, if not right now, dealing with aging parents or an aging spouse or themselves. And they're seeing a decline in many different areas. And so they're concerned about protecting assets if they go into a nursing home. And they're hearing and they're concerned about how am I going to pay for it? And of course, in the conversation of how you pay for it, Medicaid comes up. If you're out there, I would imagine that two out of the five listeners that we have out there are probably veterans and their veteran benefits that can help us pay for our long-term care, whether it's in our home or assisted living or nursing home. And whenever Medicaid or veteran benefits eligibility comes up, inevitably, the discussion of what type of trust you need to have to qualify comes up. And Gary, I'm here to tell you that the type of trust is not what determines eligibility. It is the type of asset you own that determines eligibility. I even heard a recent commercial where a person said like protecting your home from Medicaid spend-down, nursing home spend-down, by putting it into an irrevocable trust. Your home is already the type of asset that is protected, regardless of whether it's in any kind of trust, revocable or irrevocable. Type of trust is not what protects your home. Under Medicaid laws in the state of Georgia and across the United States, it is Your home is the type of asset that is protected regardless of whether it's in a trust or not.
1: You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and my co-host Kevin Tharp is here with us today. And we're talking about the type of trust that you can have, the way you title something. And Kevin, this this thing about your home being protected just because it's your home, I think that's something that people really miss a lot of times because there's so much information out there that is contrary to that. A lot of information that's not correct or misinterpreted, whatever it is, it comes across as you've got to do something now to protect that home. And I think it's something that people really need to get an understanding of. You've got listeners out there right now who are in this situation where they could be In a long-term care situation, a loved one can be
2: in a long-term care, a parent, a spouse, and that's important to know. And they're looking for the answer of what do I need to do? And they're hearing conflicting information, and that conflicting information is my home will be protected only if I put it in an irrevocable trust I can qualify for Medicaid I can get Medicaid eligibility if I put my home in an irrevocable trust and number one reason is you don't have to put your home in any trust in order to qualify for Medicaid your home is protected from Medicaid nursing home spend down because it is your home now, there's obvious exceptions to it. Like if you live in a three million dollar home uh on Lake Tahoe, you're probably not that's probably not going to be protected. But most people don't own a three million dollar home or mansion, uh, you know, like our former president down in Mel Largo or, or current president uh-huh. up in Delaware. But for most people, they own a home if their home equity value is $750,000 or less, the home is exempt. You qualify for Medicaid. When you go to apply for Medicaid, they don't ask you, do you have a home or do you have assets? They ask you to determine the eligibility. They ask you two questions. And the first one is, tell me what type of assets you own." Mm. Before I came here this morning uh, to record this show... Gary, I got a letter from the Georgia Department of Community Health that said my client is eligible for Medicaid and they own a home. And it's not in an irrevocable trust. They qualified for Medicaid. I can tell you from 35 years of experience, not from some training class that I took at a conference that I went to. But I can tell you, based on 35 years of professional and personal experience, your home is the type of asset that is protected regardless of what type of trust you put it in. Now, if here's the second question that Medicaid asks. When they're determining eligibility to pay for your nursing home instead of you paying out of pocket, they're going to ask you what type of assets you own. And here's another thing they're going to ask you, Gary. They're going to ask you, have you given up ownership? Have you or somebody on your behalf, have you as the power of attorney for your mother or father or husband or wife or parent or grandparent or whoever, or have you yourself titled that home in any way where you're giving up ownership? And if you answer that question, yes, yes, They're going to say ineligible for Medicaid, especially if you've done it within the last five years. If anybody is telling you to protect your home, to qualify for Medicaid or veteran benefits by putting it into an irrevocable trust, your next question to them ought to be, are there any penalties for me doing that? And they have to tell you about the Medicaid look-back penalty, and you will not be eligible for Medicaid because you gave up ownership.
1: Kevin, I know people have a lot of questions out there about this, and I know you give them an opportunity to to have a discussion with them. Why don't you give them your information?
2: Gary, my information, the best way to reach me is through my website, kevintharp.com.
1: Coming up next, tax deferral and tax increases. You're listening to Truth and Planning. tax deferral and tax increases. What do they have to do with each other? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors.
2: And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney.
1: Kevin, in my previous segment, we were talking about tax deferral. And if you're a listener out there, you're thinking, well, I don't care about tax deferral. What does that have to do with me? Well, if you have a 401k, if you have a tax-deferred retirement plan in place with your employer, then you need to be thinking about tax deferral because you're participating in tax deferral by being a participant in that 401k plan. Because if you haven't noticed any amount of money that you've contributed to that 401k over the years, you didn't get a 1099 for it. You, didn't, you weren't taxed on it. Matter of fact, you got a tax break for doing that, which that's beneficial That's a deal that you've made with your employer and the government to say, hey, I want to accumulate this money now. I want it to grow and grow and grow all during my working years. And then when I retire, yes, I'll have to start using this money and I'll pay taxes then. Because taxes are going to be lower anyway, right? Well, that was conventional thinking for a long time. That's also wishful thinking because there's a very, very, very good chance that you're going to be paying a higher percentage of your income in taxes 20, 30 years from now than you are now. And as a matter of fact, we're all gonna get a real eye-opener in January of 2026, which is now, I can't believe it, is only a couple of years away, Kevin. So this is something that now becomes really more of a focus for people who are getting close to retirement, because January 2026 is when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 expires. Do I expect that to be extended in some way or another? I don't think so. There's so much pressure in Washington and on Washington now to make sure that Social Security can be funded continually that the debt can, debt crisis can be remedied at some point in time. So there's a, lot of, there's a big push towards increasing taxes. Well, that's an automatic. In January 2026, if you're in a 12% tax bracket now, you're going to go to a 15% tax bracket, which is pretty significant. If you're in a 22% bracket now, you're gonna to go to a 25 automatically. January 1st of 2026, you're gonna be paying more taxes. These are federal taxes. If you're in a 24% range, then you're gonna to go to a 28%. So this is not a joke. This is a big increase in your taxes if you're whether you're working or not. Well, how do you why do you mean well, if I'm not working, I'm not making money, I'm not paying taxes you're still making money and you're still paying taxes because of the sources of your income when you retire. Social security, do you pay taxes on that? To some degree or another, up to 85% of your social security can be taxed. Depends on all the other income that you have. But let's say you have this 401k, and now maybe you've moved it, you've talked to an advisor You've, when you retired, and you decided to move it all into an IRA, because that's an individual retirement account. You have more investment options in the IRA typically than you did in that 401k. A lot more choices there, which can benefit you even more so down the line. But we also know that after you retire, let's say you retired at 65 years old or 66, you know, maybe your Social Security starts when you're 66 or 67 now and you decide to retire then, then you're going to have to start taking money out of your IRA, your 401k, not necessarily now, but going up to 75 years old now most a lot of people who are listening now if you're born after 1960 there's you your you can delay your required minimum distribution taking money out of your ira that they make you do so you can start paying taxes on it till age 75 which is a big break for people really because you don't have to worry about paying taxes on that money if you don't have any intentions to use it until you're now 75 years old But one thing I want to propose to um, our listeners out there, maybe you don't want to wait until you're 75 years old to start, start taking money from this. And there's some disadvantages to waiting that long. So we'll go over that in just
2: a minute. We're talking about waiting today, especially in retirement, when it comes to deferral. We talked in the previous segment, Gary, about tax deferral. And we're talking about deferring other things as well and the advantages. But as you said, there's also some disadvantages to waiting. Uh, That may be some of those disadvantages are one of the big reasons that as a general rule, we Americans hate to wait right i know my daughter spent a summer in europe and she said you know one big difference i noticed is they don't mind waiting as much and there's not as much waiting because people don't mind waiting yeah but over here it's like people hate to wait if there's well, more than one person in the line they're going to create a whole new aisle of checkout so you don't have to have have to wait well
1: and that's and people have acclimated themselves either one way or the other based on where they are patience is not necessarily a virtue of most of us we tend to want everything now we want it now, not later. But what we don't want later is to pay more in taxes. And we what we don't want to do later is have so much income that now our taxes are even a worse problem in retirement than they were when we were working. We can delay that. We can wait for that type of thing. Well, the government tells us we can only wait so long. Now, we can take money from our IRAs or our 401ks earlier, we can take it when we're 59 and a half. Like I said in the previous segment, 59 and a half is the rule. You can't take money out of your 401k as a rule um, until you're over 59 and a half years old. That's why a lot of people, even if they're planning on retiring early, eh, maybe they wait until they're 59 and a half years old because they may be using the money from their 401k then. And that's something that I really can be a proponent of with a lot of people is start taking it earlier. Start getting your money out of your IRA or 401k earlier. We're running up against a timeline right now that pretty much proves that point. Because you're paying less in taxes now, percentage-wise, than you're gonna be paying in two years because of the 2017 act that's gonna be going away. Mm So we have this issue out there, what if we decide to start taking money out of our IRA earlier rather than later? Maybe save on some taxes. Sometimes I even recommend to people that they take money, they delay their Social Security until maybe even age 70, which means you'll get a lot more at age 70 than you would have at 66 or 67 delay your Social Security until then, but if you want to retire and use the income that your Social Security would create, start taking that from your 401k. There's a very good chance you could have a million dollars in your 401k or more when you retire. Well, we know when you turn maybe 75 years old, You're going to have to be taking $65,000, $70,000 a year out of that 401k every year, and you're taxed on 100% of it every single year. Well, look what that does if you wait that long. if You've even created more of a distribution because now the time frame is your life expectancy is shorter. The government says you have to take more money the longer you wait. So let's say now that you decide to not do it that way. You start taking it earlier, paying taxes now, which could be lower, tax smoothing, to paying the taxes over a longer period of time rather than a shorter period of time. And so maybe start taking money from that and leave Social Security alone until you're 70 years old. And um, I have a lot of clients who we're doing this with now, and it makes total sense. Because you know you're going to continue to get that 8% plus increase in the amount of money you're going to get out every year that you wait up until age 70 because you waited for Social Security a little bit longer. And that and that and does that is very beneficial to you. You've saved on taxes because you're paying less in taxes. But wait. And this, Kevin, comes down to the individual. Don't make that decision based on what I just told you. That's not going to work. You have to know the positives and the negatives of you personally doing that. This is what we like to do as advisors.
2: And you can help our listeners with that, with that personalization by having them contact you.
1: Right, and I would rather I very much enjoy making sure that we got you on the right track with it. Call us at Anderson Advisors 888-371-2847.
2: Elder law penalties. The gift that keeps giving back in a bad way. That's what we're going to talk about in the next segment. You're listening to truth and planning. <music> Penalties. The gift that keeps giving back in a bad way. I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And
1: I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary,
2: everybody's familiar with the gift that just keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. My cousin Eddie told Clark when he got the Jelly of the Month Club uh, as a bonus from his work. Clark, that's the gift that just keeps on giving the whole year through. Well, gifts do give, have the ability to keep giving continuously on a regular basis. But there are certain gifts and things that you can do that keep giving back in a bad way. And in the elder law uh, arena, that gift its the actual act of gifting itself that creates penalties. Because in elder law, there is a presumption that when you give up ownership through an outright gift or a transfer, and and there is a difference between a gift and a transfer but the consequences are the same. But basically a gift or a transfer is you give away an asset and you don't get back anything in return. You don't get back full fair market value. If I sell you my home for $10, that's not a gift, that's a transfer. But if I say, "Oh, you're my, you know, you're you're my child and I'm going to give you my home and I take it and take it out of my name and put it in your name, it's a gift." But whether it's a gift or a transfer, the consequences are the same. There are penalties. And those penalties occur when the gift of the transfer happens during what's called the look back period. Gary, there's always been the Medicaid look back period. It's always been around. What's changed over time is not the concept of Medicaid look back. It's how far are they looking back for many years? It was one year. Then they bumped it up to three years. Then they bumped it up to five years. And in my professional opinion, I think they're going to in the state of Georgia, Uh, they're going to bump it to something like 10 or 15 years, especially if you gift or transfer your home. So there are penalties in every single situation if you give up ownership. In the previous segment, we talked about the one thing that determines Medicaid eligibility, and it's the type of asset and not the type of trust. And I concluded that segment by saying a very illegal fact. This is not my opinion. This is a legal fact. An irrevocable trust is not the type of trust that will make you eligible for Medicaid. Why? Because you give up ownership. Irrevocable means you give up ownership. And if you give up ownership, And within a certain time period, currently five years, most likely going to go to 10 years, there are various penalties, and one of them is a Medicaid ineligibility period of time. You will not be eligible for Medicaid if you put your home in an irrevocable trust. There's no difference between putting your home in an irrevocable trust and putting your home in your children's name as a gift. Either way, gift or transfer, there is a penalty and there is a period of time where they will look back. And currently, it's five years. So, if anybody is recommending to you, including an elder law attorney, in order for you to become eligible for nursing home Medicaid or eligible for Veteran benefits. If they are telling you to put your home in an irrevocable trust, you have to ask them this question. What are the penalties for my doing so? And there are several. And one of them is you may end up disqualifying yourself from the very thing you're trying to qualify for because of that penalty. And, Gary, veteran benefits have the same look-back period and penalties as Medicaid does.
1: You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, state planning and elder law attorney, today is talking about the gift that keeps on giving in a bad way. And that we don't really want the bad way part of a gift that keeps on giving, Kevin. But unfortunately, if you're not careful, that's exactly what you're going to do to yourself.
2: Exactly. Because there are penalties that go along with gifting or giving up ownership, whether it's gifting, outright gifting or transferring. I sell my home to my child for $10. So it doesn't matter. Or putting it into an irrevocable trust. The penalties are still the same because you're giving up ownership. But, Gary, here's another obvious thing. You don't have to worry about Medicaid penalties if you keep ownership. So the type of trust you choose Is not what gives you Medicaid eligibility. In fact, if you choose an irrevocable trust, you could end up stepping into a penalty. But if you choose to put your home in a revocable trust, there's no penalty. Why? Because you don't give up ownership. Hmm. If you title your home in a revocable trust or revocable trust, not only do you keep ownership, but it doesn't change the fact that it is your home. And you remember in the previous segment, I said it's type of asset that gives you protection. If you go into a nursing home, it's type of asset that causes you eligibility for Medicaid, not type of trust. And your home is the type of asset that is protected. Same thing with your retirement account. You know the consequences. You've been talking about uh, tax delay But you know there are tax penalties if you do what? If you give up ownership of your retirement account. And here's the thing. I don't think there's any lawyer out there that will tell you to put your IRA in a trust while you're living, revocable or irrevocable. But if type of trust is what protects your assets, how can my IRA be protected if it's not in a trust, including an irrevocable trust? Because of that principle I just told you about. Type of asset determines protection, and your home and your retirement account is the type of asset that is protected your entire life as long as you don't do what? Give up ownership. Because if you give up ownership, there is a penalty. Here's another penalty. If you give up ownership, if you put your home in an irrevocable trust, you're going to lose property tax benefits that are associated with your home. In many counties, if you're over a certain age, you get home, uh, you get what they call school tax exemption, which takes out a big chunk of your property taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you don't get that if you give up ownership. You lose that. Many people have property in what they call covenants. And they covenant or promise that they will use the property for uh, agricultural purposes or they covenant and promise, I won't give up ownership of my property while I'm living. And so many times those covenants give you a huge tax break, but you got to wait 10 years before you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put your home in an irrevocable trust, there's a tax penalty. You lose those property tax benefits. You set up an irrevocable trust and you put any assets in there. There are tax penalties. You're going to have to file a tax return for that irrevocable trust because you've given up ownership. So irrevocable trust are the gift that keeps giving these penalties back over time. Even if you do a irrevocable trust and go beyond the look back period, you still have other penalties. But here's the biggest penalty of all of them. If you give up ownership by putting your home in an irrevocable trust, you give up ownership, you give up access. You can't get to your stuff. So irrevocable is trust is not the type of trust that we recommend. We recommend a revocable trust. Kevin, this gets confusing. If Somebody wants to come talk to you
1: about it. What's the best way to do it?
2: Gary, it's easy. We can really clear up that confusion by
0: simply reaching out to us through our website, kevintharp.com. Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involve risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show.